Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than a 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound and video, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I'm fired up to announce the exact man we need today. The former Golden State beat writer for the Barry and News Group, the current West Coast specialist for NBA.com, a remarkably close friend of this show, and a newly engaged man, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? Bram, not much other than, hey, I'm uh, making that next step. Thankfully, Val said yes. We took a weekend getaway uh, in Tulum over Thanksgiving weekend and perfect trip with a perfect ending. And I almost feel like I don't know. I won't ever know what it's like to win an NBA championship. But if I had to imagine, I felt like I could relate somewhat to what the Warriors had gone through in recent years whenever they've hoisted the uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy here. So I'm on cloud nine. 
I respect this. I feel like if the camera pulled out, we'd see that your fiance was in the room very closely monitoring that you handled this, uh, that statement, right? Did she see it coming, Mark? So like, did you, I mean, the, the, I'll, I'll keep it personal. By the time I asked my wife, we'd been together for a while. She knew it was coming. You know, I tried to head fake her. In fact, the story didn't go perfectly well for me. But, you know, anytime I got close to bending down, she knew what was happening for, <laughs> for you. You know, like, did, did was it a nervous thing? Like, you weren't sure how it was going or was it kind of already preordained? Did she know? Uh, did she know the question was about to be popped? Well, to answer a few questions, I was not nervous. Uh, you know, not only uh, have we been together for a few years and it's been a great partnership, but. You know, I prepare for this moment. I, I knew how to uh, deliver in the clutch here. But uh, more seriously, did did we see it coming? Look, we had talked about it. We, uh, you know, uh, worked together to get in the right piece of jewelry. Um, we also talked about, hey, let's get do a weekend getaway to Tulum where, you know, sometimes things like this happen. But I never <laughs> officially said, yes, I am going to ask you this question when we're vacation in Tulum. And so it's one of those things. Val definitely saw it coming, but I guess as as many can attest when they go through this, it's one thing to anticipate it. It's one thing to in it, to experience it, and even it. if even if you know it's coming, it's one of those things of those unknowns. You don't exactly know when it's going to happen and in what setting. So yeah, it was it was a perfect way to uh, to end twenty twenty two. Well, I, I, I would say this: it was a perfect way to end twenty twenty two, and then cap it off with this podcast just a few days before Christmas. Oh, look at that professional work. I'm sure that people didn't tune in to hear it about uh, wedding proposal stories. So I'll, I'll keep this as our last shot in this in particular category. But no, it's weird as shit, dude. I, I walked around, I brought Erica to a uh, to a winery, walked around with the, the ring in my pocket and I was fingering that fucking ring like Gollum holding the ring. Like I kept thinking I was going to lose it and the location <laughs> I, I picked and when Erica came to it, we're, uh, we're supposed to have a picnic there. She looked down and said, this is right by the freeway, dude. Why are we sitting here? And like the whole plan was thrown out, you know, like it was like, oh my God, ran off to the other side of the winery, had my little prepared speech. And as I started it, she said, why are you using your speaking voice? This is awkward. So, you know, it didn't, we're happily married, Mark. It all came together. Let's flip to basketball. And I'll tell you what, man, I need you. Okay. This feels like I'm doing this from the inside of a time machine. I don't know if I'm in the Kohan era again, right? No, the, the Warriors just had their first 30 point back-to-back -back ass smashings since 2001 you know I, I have defense mechanisms i've seen this movie before i've dealt with it but i i don't know i need some rosiness so before we even go to the glass half full or empty off the core report you have anything we haven't seen you for a while do you have anything to uh to help shift our focus here a little bit yeah well look um as you know bram i'm always about keeping it real here and it's fascinating about the warriors there's I think this is a definitely definitely a perfect time to get into half glass full, half glass empty because there's a lot of gray area of what to make of this big picture. But here are a few things to boost your spirits. I did a uh, roundtable uh, type of article promoting the per Christmas Day games coming up with, you know, the ESPN announcers with Mike Breen and Doris Burke and Jeff Van Gundy. And Mike Breen, a guy who's a pros pro, he calls a lot of games, he sees a lot of teams. He still sees the Warriors among the mix of uh, teams that he thinks oh. can get out of the Western Conference uh, to get to the NBA Finals. And I will read you this direct quote from him. He said, the Warriors are going to be a force to be reckoned with so long as Steph Curry is not out for too long of an extended period. And he said, these young guys, whether you're talking about Jonathan Kaminga, 
or Moses Moody or the type of athletic young players that can be a real boon for them. So I'm looking at it as it might be a positive for them. Now, here are some qualifiers. His statement itself is a qualifier, and he also delivered that statement earlier in the week before those two consecutive losses oh, in New York against the Knicks and this- the Nets. But not to dampen on that, I think he was talking about big picture, knowing that you know before, uh, as he was speaking those words and after, there were going to be a lot of ups and downs short term. Maxime, is he allowed to say not to dampen all that after he completely dampened it, after he threw like four buckets of water? That felt like the live story again, Mark. You got me all fucking fired up, like, oh, this is great. This is good news. And then, whoop, out came the rug from underneath me. This was before the 30-point losses. Maxime, how you doing, dude? We haven't heard that much from you, Edmund. How... How are you feeling as we uh, as we embark on this podcast here? It's getting harder and harder to remain my level of optimism. You know, uh, I was <laughs> I was uh, arguing on behalf of uh, Mike Breen's perspective, even though I didn't totally know it until just now. But uh, I felt like we were two peas in a pod. But it's been eroding as I feel like those back to back those back to back ass whoopings have put us in a situation where it's pretty hard to defend uh, that take at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we're not here, right? I mean, they're, they're hurt. That last game, everybody was hurt across the boards. We didn't have any of the people who make the Warriors the Warriors. So, there, you know, there's reasons for optimism. It's not like the, the sky is necessarily falling, but we're also running out of runway. You know, when whenever it is that Steph comes back, whenever it is when the Warriors hit that championship gear, we all secretly think they're going to hit. There's not going to be a lot of space left for them to take off. And so it's starting to get a little bit concerning. Um, I got a question for you, Mark. It's another random one. So here, this is my bitterness. This is my West Coast bias. I I have never attended a game at Madison Square Garden. I I took a tour of it, which means I obviously respect it, but I've never been there. But my entire life, I've gotten bitter when people say like, oh, the garden, you know, like it's the most important spot. It's, It's where players want to have their biggest days. They talk about Jordan's performances there and Steph's performances there. You do this shit for a living. You have probably gone to all of the arenas. When you go to the garden, does it feel like hallowed ground or is it just, you know, another stadium, man? It's just another spot to play who? Yeah, I've, you know what, I, I've gone full circle on my experience going to the Garden. My first trip to Madison Square Garden was when I was at Syracuse uh, as a junior in college. I was uh, covering the Syracuse basketball team for the student paper, the Daily Orange, and uh, they'll, they would go to the Garden for, you know, the Big East tournament or if they're playing St. John's. So I was there specifically for a game against St. John's. And at that point, honestly, the place was a, asshole if you know what i mean like i thought this arena is overrated like it's not well wait i don't know what you mean what's an asshole well yeah yeah it it was a dump and i was like why is this revered and seen as the mecca of basketball right um but it was one of those things where at that point in time in 2007 the arena wasn't up to speed with amenities it wasn't as well kept and i don't know the exact timeline but i know after that they started upgrading the facility it was better kept so that you know, by the time I was covering uh, different NBA beats, first the Lakers and the Warriors, and I would go to the Garden, you did feel like there was this mystique to it. But uh, honestly, it was always these weird, different emotions. I mean, when you're going to New York as a traveling beat writer, it's fun in and of itself because you're getting a taste of the big city. You're able to you know, meet with friends and do some extra shopping at nice stores, all that stuff. And then that ambiance carries over to the arena. But a lot of times you would just see terrible basketball because the Knicks 
were always so dysfunctional. So it's almost like this facade that it was enticing enough for the visiting team to feel it. But if you're there day to day, <laughs> it starts feeling really stale, right? That makes um, sense. So, yeah, I think it's great. But I think objectively, even though the Knicks have been, you know, really good as of late, you know, because of their turbulence the last few decades, um, I, I know the people that are there on a day-to-day basis always would roll their eyes when they would hear the cliches of, oh, MSG is the mecca of basketball and all these people wax, waxing nostalgic about the memories there because the memories at that arena very rarely have ever included hoisting a Larry O'Brien trophy. It's usually been the other team's best player putting together an MVP type performance at the Knicks expense. Have you ever watched a documentary that you knew would be amazing if it was like an hour and a half, as opposed to the two and a half hours that it was like, it had all this gold in it, but it ended up being kind of too long and fat. That was like my tour through Madison square garden. It was, it was dope. Like when we saw the court, everything was cool, but they also showed us things like here's the lines, the soda runs through like who gives a shit about the logistics of a stadium. You know, I remember being super frustrated about that. All right, boys. Back to Warriors basketball, um, and let's do a little glass half full. Mark, you remember this. We look back and give us something you like, something you don't about Warriors hoop. I'll cherry pick because there's not a whole lot of options. The thing I like, Wiseman's 30 spot, right? So the the back-to-back losses felt like the moments during a car accident when everything slows down and you can see everything go really, really, really poorly. And watching Wiseman put up the highlights we're currently watching here on the video was like watching somebody do like a ballet performance during a freeway crash. You know, it was like some <laughs> some level, you know, some upside, some beauty in an otherwise tragic and terrible fucking thing. Um, I will acknowledge, look, I, I'm sure everyone's thinking garbage time points. They were it, it, a lot of this happened when nobody gave a shit, but I'll also acknowledge I don't give a shit when it was 30 points during an NBA game while he was dealing with what he's been dealing with all these questions surrounding him. I am on board for. So what do I like? I like James Wiseman going 12 for 14 and putting up a 30 spot hopefully changing his trajectory in the league. What do you boys got? Well, my uh, half glass full has nothing to do with what we've seen on the court. It involves Steph Curry and the fact that he didn't need surgery on his shoulder. And look, this might wind up being a problem later on. We don't know. But I think that there is some optimism that, you know, once Steph Curry comes back, whenever that is, he's going to be normal Steph Curry and pick up right where he left off. And that, Uh, While we don't know how much longer he's going to be out, it's not going to be beyond a few more weeks. I mean, I've been told that he's going to be evaluated probably sometime later next week. And now with when these evaluations happen, that doesn't mean, okay, there's this window for him to come back. Now, all of a sudden it is more of, okay, now he's cleared for either non-contact drills or individual workouts or heaven forbid, even going back to practice. But um, that that's the thing. I mean, I was talking to an opposing team's uh, executive the other day and just picking that person's brain about just different things going on with different teams and, and gain a sense of the landscape. And we talked about the Warriors. I mean, he was uh, he was kind of having these same conversations we we've been having on this podcast. And you guys oh. have had in other episodes of, you know, how worried should you be and what do you make of all this weird stuff? But his ultimate conclusion was that, you know, betting against the Warriors is as foolish as betting against LeBron James. 
And Bram, I know that you love uh, betting against LeBron James, but sometimes you've come to regret that, right? (laughs) Don't worry about that. It should should be for the same reason. And when we're talking about LeBron James and the Lakers here, like no one's ever saying don't bet against LeBron James because he'll be able to lift the Lakers. It's more of don't bet against LeBron James of, hey, he'll continue to be able to delay father time here. So when it's saying don't bet against the Warriors, that specific opposing team executive still sees that window that as messy as it looks right now in the short term, in the long term, they can sort itself out because mainly of Steph coming back and then Clay Thompson uh, looking like Clay Thompson of pre-injury, Andrew Wiggins coming back, Draymond Green doing his thing, and then the young guys maybe not being set up to carry the franchise but not being a liability completely. I, I keep waiting for you. I want to cut you off before you finish that by saying also that executive told me that before the back-to-back 30-point losses. So it says we will never know. We'll never know when that was delivered to you. Okay, I will, um, I will confess. No, no, no. Wait, wait, you just talk, I'm trying to cut you off. But Maxine, Maxine, he, quickly, he, talk. Quickly, quickly talk. We don't want information. The New York losses. We do not. <laughs> God damn it, Mark. This is not going to be our theme. This is not going to be our theme. Maxime, erase that. Somehow go back. Forget that it's live. What do you got, man? Something you like, something you don't. I alluded to uh, my optimism waning and getting chipped at. And I think one of that came from um, texting with my buddy about, you know, hey, look, my optimism is basically that the starting five is still the best lineup in the league. And so what we're dealing with is not necessarily that our starting five is not capable of winning a championship. The problem is that the rest of the pieces aren't quite adding up yet. And so maybe that's a little bit of a segue into what we know is the title of this podcast, or Trade Options for Golden State. You know, the question really then becomes, how can we deal with uh, the, the support? You know, we talk about wanting to be able to support Steph, but that's also true for the rest of the starting five. You know, they're pulling their weight. They're doing their job. We want to make sure that we can give them the pieces around them that actually help us get to a title at this point. Um, and I will take Maxime's very well subtle suggestion to get towards the uh, the actual option on this. Although I will add something I don't like. I don't like that either of you haven't complimented me on my brand new jacket. I mean, I'm fucking very clearly sporting the jacket and no Brad, one said I love the jacket. I love Thank the you, jacket. Where I'm did you get it? Can I'm I buy it? Hot is what I can tell you. I don't need this jacket at all. I'm so hot. I've been wearing it only for a compliment and I had to bring it up on my own. So maybe down the line, bring that back up. Um, so I am, I'll push it to our golden questions and we have one here. All right. The, the one I'm going to work my way to is, quote, huddle dogs. We pause for a second. I love that somebody called us that. I hope that that happens a lot. Huddle dogs. Do you think the Warriors should make a trade? But before we get there, Mark, let me ask you a different one, because it's going to help set up the trade questions. This is the first question. Um, and it's an entertaining one. Quote, love the show. Thank you. But I have to say that your beard looks like it makes your face smell like yogurt. Let me pause again. I don't feel like I have a very deep beard and I don't know why anybody's face would smell like yogurt. So that's kind of an FU, but you know, is what it is. Off it goes. Wiseman looked league wide doubt in the face and told it to fuck itself. Does the 30 point effort change how you think of him? So Mark, I'm going to, I'm going to switch this and I'm going to make it a lead into the trade question. Here's my question um, that I'll, I'll pull out of this. Does this performance, that 30 point performance, do you think it changes the perception of GMs of Wiseman around the league is, is one big night. And he has a big one, 12 of 14. Is that enough for people to be a little bit more enticed in your opinion? Well, I'm not going to discount, you know, I think the significance of what it can have for James Wiseman's confidence and momentum lead into future games. 
But his 30-point performance in and of itself against Brooklyn, I don't take away that much. It's a relative net upgrade to when he was dominating the G League. But the reality is the Warriors got their ass handed to them because they're undermanned. And once the Nets clearly established that uh, setting that this is how it was going to be, even without Kyrie Irving, it was garbage time and guys not playing as hard as and engaged as they would be. So there was some element of empty calories. And as great as Wiseman looked in that game, there are also the the kind of the typical mistakes that he had as well, as far as you know, defensive rotations and things like that. But I think that it in the big picture, again, the momentum of what how he can carry this through can be substantial. But I don't think it's gonna be. Hey, you know what? The market is is never going to be hotter now. So if I'm Bob Myers, I'm calling other GMs and saying, hey, what can I do to flip Wiseman here? I know that internally there's some school of thought that, um, well, of, of a few things. I think that they are adamant that a lot of Wiseman's hiccups have mostly to do that he hasn't have opportunities to play because of two things. You know, he had his injury riddled season last season. And unlike other rookie rookies or young players in the league, he's on a team that has a lot of good players and it's a good team. It's not like he's with the Houston Rockets where you can just play through whatever mistakes you get, you get whatever numbers you have. Um, so I think that there's an element there, but there's also another element that um, there's, there's an expectation optimism that if they develop him enough that he's good for 10, 12 minutes – with the other all-stars in the playoffs like that's con- that's considered a victory. Absolutely. It's not about it's not about hey, let's get him 20 30 minutes for the playoffs and he's carrying it. So it's kind of that in between. So I think in that respect this is the beginning of that process, but you know, the snapshot alone doesn't mean that much. Yeah, it's a step towards JaVale McGee. I mean, here's here's if I was Bob Myers and I was having conversations <laughs> towards people, right? Um here's what I would say. So We've used the phrase garbage time. What's garbage time? Garbage time is a combination of a lack of pressure, right? And a and an availability of time. Do whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. What I just described, man, is the path of almost the entire game, all 48 minutes of most lottery teams. You know, it's it's the Houstons of the world. That's what you just said. It's exactly what Wiseman's never been afforded. You know, he'd, if he had gone number two to a shitburger team and was, you know, was, was now playing in Houston, was now playing in these teams that were trying to lose, what he would be given is a surplus of garbage time. And he just showed us that he's capable of dominating in it. You know, so it's, it, of course, it's one game. And of course, it's at the back end of a game. Nobody gave a shit. But maybe it's a glimpse into who he could be if he wasn't playing for a title contender immediately with all of these, these expectations, you know? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. But I tell you what, let's let's finally get to the trade stuff. So we have some suggested trades. The segment here, Mark, is who says no, all right? So let's pull up ESPN's trade machine. Maxine, make sure that the money works. Here is the, uh, here's the as Jason Dumas told us last week, the pipe dream for the Warriors. This one's Jay Crowder for James Wiseman. Um, so I'm, I'm... I'm sure that the money works. We'll see it as it pops up. Mark, let me put it to you. If the Warriors gave Phoenix a call, you know, not everything's super rosy with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams. They might want a young uh, a young center. What do you think? Who says no? Jay Kreider for James Wiseman. Hmm. Honestly, I don't think either team would say yes to it um, because <laughs> – <laughs> so here, here I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, for, from from the Warriors' end, I think you know philosophically, and uh, this would include this deal. I think the Warriors have been sensitive to you know as much as they want to give the best chance for their current crop of stars to win a championship, they also want to protect their long term future. And so that's where I think the rubber's going to meet the road, not with just with this trade, but in general. But I think at the Suns' end, as much as obviously uh, things haven't worked out, and I, I don't know the exact parameters of why, because uh, it, it's very puzzling. I mean, Jay Crowder is a very valued veteran, and even though he's can sometimes be feast or famine as far as his outside shot, he is a positive role player, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think that incorporating a young player into a team that, um, already has had to deal with different levels of volatility. I, I don't think that they would feel like they would be able to absorb his growing pains. Um, and while 
you know, there might be less pressure because they have DeAndre Ayton as a center. There might be this feeling of, well, what's the point of this, right? Um, so I, I don't see it happening, but I guess you never know. Well, there's also the FU angle from Phoenix. You know, I, I can't yeah. imagine they want to help Golden State at all. If I'm the Warriors, you, if you had this conversation two weeks ago, I think I'm saying yes, and I think I'm saying yes pretty fast. Uh, now, with Steph's health, kind of a weirdo question mark. Like, we don't necessarily know what the missing puzzle piece is because we don't know what the puzzle looks like entirely. You know, we, we haven't been able to see it. So this is a hell of a trade-off. I mean, what's Jay got left? A couple of years for a guy whose upside might still be there? It's not a definite yes the way it would have been for me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Maxime, what do you think? Would you say yes from either side or? Well, I mean, we got John Hollinger giving us professional analysis here and saying that... Uh, we would decrease Phoenix's win totals by 10 and we wouldn't impact uh, Golden State's win totals at all. Um, or other <laughs> way around, I'm sorry. But like, no, nonetheless, I, it's not looking good in terms of the analytics. But but I do think that there is a – you know, we got to try something here. And, I'm, <laughs> and we'll see how we go through these other trades. But I'm not seeing that much in this landscape. And, and I might actually think that Jay Crowder would ultimately be slightly more positive than not affecting the winning percentage of a team at all. Um, so – you know, in a vacuum, maybe not, but given the rest of the transla- trade landscape, this might be a move that pushes us in the direction of a W. Mark, is there any truth to the rumor that Bob Myers actually just goes to the ESPN trade machine, plugs it in, and then just looks at Hollinger's analysis? Like, oh, no effects. I'm out. <laughs> or like he said, I, minus 11. I mean, how do you think they got Kevin Durant? It was all just <laughs> doing exactly. trade machine simulations. Exactly. And not, right. you know, being a savvy uh, cap, you know, salary cap tactician and negotiator and relationships. It was just hitting the button. That's all it was. <laughs> Maxime, hit start over for me. Let's give Mark a new one. Um, so put the Warriors right back in as team one here. I always have a weird thing, by the way. I use this trade machine all the time, and it always has to be the Warriors as the first team. I'm like Rain Man in that sense. I'd panic if we didn't do number one. And as the second team, let's get Chicago up. I can do this. Boom. I know that you can. This time, throw uh, Alice Caruso straight up for James Wiseman. Hit try this trade for me. Boom. It's successful. Mark, what do you think, man? Uh, Who says no? Straight up, Caruso for Wiseman. A little bit of perimeter defense takes over where GP2 left off. Also has a little bit of savvy. They can trust him. Doesn't know the system, but he seems like a read and react guy. What do you think, man? Who says no? Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, I I like this deal because Alex Caruso is all about the intangibles. He's a smart basketball player. Um, As weird as it sounds, I know the Wall Street Journal made a big deal about it a few years ago. Uh, Historically, he's had the best plus minus uh, with LeBron James compared to any other pairing that LeBron's had of his career. Um, And I I think that he can mitigate some of the short-term things with, you know, Clay Thompson trying to get back into form. He can offshore some of the issues as far as his defense goes and all that. But again, I I know just how the Warriors are thinking that they want to, you know, really ride this out. And they feel that, you know, with more games played that Wiseman's going to get better again, not substantially a game changer, but at least enough in the short term that he can play some spot minutes with the all-stars come playoff time. And that, you know, this will, yield a lot of long-term success down the line where in Alex Caruso's case, I mean, he is a young player. Don't get me wrong, but 
I think his ceiling is what it is now. He's a great role player that you can plug and play. He can do a lot of intangibles. You know, the Lakers, for example, I think have, you know, really seen the consequence of not dipping into the luxury tax to retain him. Uh, but when it comes to, hey, can he be this star player that carries a franchise? Like, let's not kid ourselves. I, I don't think he's going to be that guy. So I could also see the Warriors saying no to it. On the Bulls' end, um, if things continue the way they are where it's just, you know, they're wet in the bed and just not winning, I wouldn't be surprised if they start thinking, okay, let's blow this up and start over. Um, so I could see them, uh, you know, saying yes to this deal. This is one of those, I'd call this a sleepless night deal. If, if I'm Myers and I get this call and they've offered this to me, I want to tell them no. I want to hang up immediately, but I couldn't. If there's enough value. I'd at least look at it. And that evening I'd have a sleepless night. It'd be hard for me to go one way or the other. Can Caruso shoot? I mean, I, I know he can play D. I mean, I, I remember the annoying things. Is he? Does he also have an outside shot? I know Caruso, he's definitely improved as an outside shooter. Um, and he's not a liability but he's also not necessarily at the point where he's seen as an asset from that point. His value uh, is his defense and, you know, him doing all the hustle plays a lot like Kevon Looney, but just on the perimeter. Um, And then his playmaking and his on-court chemistry with guys. Like he is the ultimate plug and play. You can play him with any sort of lineup combination. He's still going to find a way to help the team. But as far as his three-point shooting, Look, um, it, it's not going to enhance it significantly, but it's also not going to hurt it significantly either. There, this is a it, it's either going to go really bad or really well trade. You know, like if they brought him in and they won a championship with Caruso, it went really well. If they if they don't, and they don't, and Wiseman becomes anything, and they then history looks back at like, oh, you gave up the number two pick for Alex Caruso. You know, like if if on the date of the draft we had we had given up the rights to James Wiseman and brought back Caruso, there would have been a riot here in the Bay Area. Um, I tell you what, let's swing for the fences. Uh, so Maxime, don't start over this time. Hit a just trade and. Take Caruso out and put in DeMar DeRozan. Ooh. All right. So DeMar DeRozan, four. Keep Wiseman in there. Add Kaminga. Ooh. Ty Jerome. And Dirty DiVincenzo. All right. Boom. All right. So let's assume, Mark, they that everything you just told me is right. That Chicago is panicking. I know DeMar has only one more year left. He's already dealing with trade speculation rumors. Chris Haynes reported something, and it's apparently annoying DeMar. I didn't pull the video. I should have, but on his Instagram report, or his Instagram report, on his Instagram account, he uh, threw out a video from training day where Denzel Washington is saying, see this? This is a newspaper. I use this to tell me stories. Um, And so he's seemingly pissed at these trade rumors. So there's at least, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. If they do want to do a fire sale, Here's a possible deal. Golden State gives up a first rounder. James Wiseman, Kaminga, DiVincenzo, Ty Jerome. What do you think? Who says no? Because DeRozan is a very savvy dude. Three and D player. The exact kind of guy perhaps they could use. You pair him in a uh, in a defensive situation with Wiggins against like Tatum. You know, we're, we're looking pretty good. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Who says yes? Who says no? I think the Warriors say a hard no. I mean, look, DeMar DeRozan's a really great player, great team guy, very savvy offensive player. But I think that there's 
a lot of redundancy here. Um, you know, where you still have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. How does DeMar DeRozan fit into that puzzle piece? But I think the bigger thing is what the Warriors are giving up, which is a lot of depth and a lot of young guys. And it goes against the grain of what they're trying to do long term, where, you know, short term, you're getting a guy who still has some value, but you don't quite know when it's going to start tailing off, as well as, you know, I think questions about how it would fit from a chemistry standpoint. I don't think it would be this drastically bad, but it would be on the same philosophical concerns of what the Lakers did with Gain Russell Westbrook, where they mm-hmm. trade a bunch of young guys and their depth to get a player that just wasn't a good fit. And I fear for different reasons, this trade would fall into a similar category. He's, I mean, especially if he only has one year left. I mean, I, Steph, Clay, Draymond, DeMar, and Loon. I, that's a death lineup. I mean, I, I wouldn't my if if they could get Demar up to speed and and you know his uh, skill set works within the system. I can see those five working. But your description of giving up a slew of young talent—if it's the same kind of thing where you know the Lakers are now looking at Ingram and realizing what kind of talent he has—if it's that kind of deal where we give up, you know, Kaminga, who's really shown some promise here, and Wiseman for a one-year rental. It could be some problems. What do you think, Maxime? I was going for shock and awe here. I thought I thought Mark was going to be like, "Holy shit, what a great idea!" I might write an article about it. That didn't happen. For me. <laughs> did I? Uh, did I shock you? What do you think? Is this? Are you, are you on board for either side? No, I, Demar is the quintessential regular season player to me. He he continues to sort of prove his lack of metal in a postseason context. So I'm a little bit scared about inserting him into any kind of a death a name uh, of a lineup called death lineup. And at this point, frankly. Uh, I, I would prefer to have Kaminga and DiVincenzo on my squad than DeMar. Um, I think, you know, Dante is doing a lot of the hard work that, that in the places that we need it when we already have Steph, Clay, and Wiggins um, to handle some of that offensive load. And Kaminga is just on the up and up. So I'm not, I'm not interested in, in leaving those pieces behind. I've got to take a shot at my death lineup take. I thought that was like a really solid one. Um, but first, you don't compliment the jacket. Then you do take shots at my takes. This is not going well, boys. I, you know, Before I give you this last one, because we got a judgment theater coming here. Mark, let's make it more generalized. Um, uh, you know Bob Myers. You've got a relationship with the Warriors. If he called you and had a frank conversation and said, Mark, do you think we need to make a deal? Should I be looking around? How would you answer that? Well, first of all, I'd laugh at Bob being like, you shouldn't be asking me for advice. I have no idea. And then I would also say, hey, uh, I appreciate the phone call. How about you tell me what you're going to do so I can have some information to report on as opposed to asking me what to do? Do you but, think a move is necessary? I mean, you've watched them from afar. Yeah. Do they need a shuffle up here or do they just need some tranquil waters to put shit together? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, uh, this idea that they should just stand pat, I think, is a little foolish. But also the idea that they should blow it up is just as equally foolish, if not more. So I don't think that outside of, you know, staff that, you know, players should be considered untouchable. But when it comes to any potential deals, you know, leaning into the trade deadline, it's got to be something that's, you know, kind of tinkering on the margins and doesn't like fundamentally disrupt the whole identity of the team where, all of a sudden you're having to worry about integrating a star player dealing with a substantial loss of depth. So if there are, you know, single player type deals available or, you know, maybe one for two, uh, I'm, I think that's more advisable than doing this whole fire sale and fundamentally changing the course of everything just for the hopes of 
turning the season around. Um, and, and I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind when we're talking about the issues here with the Warriors, uh, the longer the season has gone on, my antenna has definitely gone up of, okay, like how do they turn this around? But the comforting thing that the Warriors have felt and Warrior fans should feel is it's not like there's a lot of separation with the rest of the Western Conference. And you can look at it, that means there's a lot of parity in that conference, but there's also a lot of unevenness. I mean, for all the Yanks that we're talking about here, with the Warriors, um, you know they're out of the playing tournament right now, but they're really they're only five and a half games behind Denver and sure. Memphis for first place. And all it takes is for one of those teams to go on a losing streak, or the Warriors to catch fire, and all of a sudden the games change. And when you look specifically at these teams, you know with Denver and Sacramento uh, specifically, well, Denver, Sacramento. They're, you know, good feel-good stories that I think are threats, but they also don't play well defensively. Minnesota's kind of a hot mess. Dallas and Portland are playing candidates at best. Utah's probably going to be in the lottery once they start making changes to the roster. And then you add the qualifiers to, you know, the Lakers, who are out of the plan right now, but there's a runway for them to redeem themselves. But there's a lot of questions they have to answer about injuries and roster construction. The Clippers, same issues that they have to answer about injuries. So really, when you eliminate all those teams, it really comes down to Memphis, New Orleans, and Phoenix are really at this point the teams that you really have to worry about long-term. And everything else is up for grabs. And if there's a runway for the Warriors to get then finish as a fourth seed and maybe supplant a few of those teams just because of their experience – I mean, I think, you know, there is a setting for all this to sort itself out that way. Let's go. I'm uh, half expecting to be like, at least that's how I used to think before two games ago. And you guys lost in back-to-back 30-point losses. Our final question, boys. All right, and it comes from me, Judgment Theater. So I want to imagine yourself as James Wiseman on the plane back from, uh, from Brooklyn. So, you know, you have just had your best evening as a pro, right? When nobody thought of you, you just went... 12 of 14, 30 spot, finally got this monkey off your back. You know, you, you, you succeeded on the, one of the world's biggest stages. Things are going well. But team also just got its ass kicked historically. They just lost by like a 1,000. And it's the back-to-back. You know, they just also lost by 30 in the previous game. Okay, so the question is, if you're on that plane, how do you act? Are you happy? You know, because you just had this light, this is incredible performance. Are you super upset? How do you hedge it? Don't answer. Let's judge. Start with me. I'm on that plane. All right. This has just happened. I just had this success, but everybody I'm sure is solemn as shit. It's a depressing ride back. What's my affect boys? What do you think? I mean, you're, you're, you're still having, you're gloating, you know? (sighs) And, and I think, I think the more that people seem like they're having a bad time, the more you're ramping up, you're gloating. (laughs) Yeah, you're playing you're playing the YouTube highlights like on endless replay until the plane lands. That's how I envision it. <laughs> I'm a terrible loser. Like a terrible loser. So there's a chance I'd be really upset, but it'd still be selfish. You know, like like the the what we're looking for here is like that team aspect. You know, I should be really upset because everybody else is upset. I might be really upset because we lost, meaning I lost and I would take it hard. Would there be some internal like happiness 
You know, would I would I be giving out autographs when people didn't ask for them? Like at the airport, I'm like, oh, here, here's an autograph and nobody fucking asked for it at all. <laughs> sure, I would do that. You know, and I'd be hella full of myself, but I don't think I'd be openly happy on the plane. Um, let's move to Maxime. I don't. So I know you'd be very proud of yourself, um, but you're also aware of your surroundings and would know that everyone would be looking at you pretty closely. I almost feel like you'd be over the top sad. Like you'd come out like, oh, I can't believe we lost those games. Like, fuck this. And everyone would kind of know that it was a little bit over the top. It's too hyperbolic, you know, and they'd, they'd be hesitant to believe it. But I think if you were going one way or the other, that's the way you'd, you'd hedge like, ah, oh, this, this is the worst night of my life. Like, I can't, I can't believe this is going on. Back to back, you'd say, like something like that. What do you think, Mark? What's your judgment here? Yeah, my judgment is that I think he'd be even keel. Like, I think that uh, he would uh, he would do all the right things publicly as far as, you know, taking any compliments graciously, but then saying, hey, I just, I just want to continue to get better, and I also want to help the team win. I think he'd also use this opportunity uh, to show that he's about, you know, the right thing. So any conversations that he would have, he would then spin it into, okay, like, how do I make that next step? I think that he would, uh, you know, do the right things and know how to play the cards the right way. He'd handle it perfectly. So there's two people on that plane. One of us handling it absolute perfectly. The other one with his highlights on YouTube in a loop, just fucking showing it to the world. Maxime, what's the answer? How would you handle it? Well, you know, can I just say what Mark, like, that was so nice, Mark. Thank you. I, I feel yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you know, Mark, let me say that too. Thank you, man. I really, yeah, I mean, I really Maxime, appreciate it. On me. it's, that's really, it's really kind of you. Thanks a I lot. I mean, Maxime Bram, these are just objective character analysis. <laughs> objective? I'm not sure objective. <laughs> Jeez, settle down over there, big man. You haven't gone yet. I can still turn on you terribly. Maxime, what's the truth? Well, I, uh, I, um, a little bit of a behind the curtain on my own personal life. I'm slowly but surely ramping up to um, begin the process of getting my pilot's license. And uh, recently, this weekend, just went flying um, with somebody that has their pilot's license and was showing me a little bit of, of of the ropes of how to make that happen. And when we were in the area, let me fly the plane for a little bit. And when we got back on the ground, he's like, hey, you know, like I've let a lot of people like fly the plane for a little bit. Like, you know, you did better than anybody else for your first time. And my response was, well, you know, it's because I've been practicing with the flight simulator. And like, that's it. You know, and that really was my answer. I was like, yeah, of course. It's because I already figured out how to navigate a plane in the air, which feels very different from a car. But then my wife was later, she was like, nice humility there, guy. Like, way to, way to just like pass Fuck it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the verbal equivalent of watching your own highlights on loop on YouTube. Okay, Mark, there you go. I love you for that super honest answer, Maxime and Mark. I mean, your, your entire conception just got shattered. That's fantastic. Wow. Uh, I guess it's one of those things uh, you never want to meet your heroes, right? I thought Maxine was just like model citizen. And then I turn out to find out that he's very narcissistic. He's doing like fucking loop loops and I shit. feel like you missed the point of this story. I know. I, mean, I was, I was, I was uh, honestly to play Cape Ram, I was trying to overcompensate her. <laughs> I'm completely blanketed. Whatever happens now, that story made my, uh, my entire week. That leaves to Mark Maxine hard guy to read so th there's no way that mark would handle it pompously like he would not do that he's too professional he'd be on there but i do think he would be remarkably proud of himself so my guess with you mark is you would just be quiet i don't you like you just wouldn't be you wouldn't be upset but you also wouldn't be like super happy you would just play it 
real straightforward. You wouldn't say anything to really anybody. It'd be kind of a silent trip, but inside you'd be replaying your highlights. It just wouldn't be on your phone, you know? Yeah, or maybe like if you have if you have service on these private plans or something, yeah, I mean, you're like, you know, with iMessages or whatever, you're like texting people off the plane. That's great. To get yes. that sort of, right? It's like, hey, at least I could celebrate with somebody here because yeah, you totally know that's not the right thing. And maybe even you're doing some of that overcompensation and like, you're like, man, back to back, like Bram was saying earlier. Okay, I'm going to shift it. Mark is going to text people, uh, tough night, but he's hoping they text back. He's hoping they text back, but you had a great game. You know, like, and that's, and that's why he's shooting out the tough night text. That's my, that's you, you guys, you guys were completely on point. I think uh, it, to, to bolster what you guys were saying, I would do all the things you said on the, that I would be with everyone else on the plane. I would save the watching the highlights and the messages for once I get off the plane. But internally, I would be replaying the highlight reel in my head over and over again. I would, I'd have a medallion, like a giant necklace, but instead of a medallion, it'd just be a television screen of my highlights as I walk out. <laughs> oh, well, this? Oh, no, that is me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for noticing. Mark, we're going to land the plane right at the 45-minute mark. I am proud of us, dude. We uh, we missed you. Happy holidays. It was phenomenal having you back. Congratulations on all the incredible news with you. And for people who need way more Medina in their life, where do they go? Well, Brad, Maxime, always appreciate being on with you guys. Where they can go. I mean, first of all, it's the Warriors Huddle Pod. I'm always here, uh, you know, every so often. Hey. We always love coming back. Hopefully the invitations keep extending, but of course, you know, my main places, NBA.com. I do TV work with NBA TV, Spectrum Sportsnet in LA, uh, Fox Sports as well. And then on the radio side, Fox Sports Radio. And I can't give away the spoilers yet because it hasn't been published, but I have a piece coming out on Marcus Smart before the Christmas Day games. Nice. Uh, and it has some Warrior references, and I think you guys will enjoy them a little bit. Is it entitled Why Marcus Smart is the Dirtiest Player in the League? Don't tell us, dude. We'll, we'll figure it out when it comes out for us. You want to shoot us an email? Let us know we did a good job, bad job. Get us some questions. Anything. You can shoot that email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. That fancy-ass graphic at the bottom. Uh, our Twitter account has been switched. It is now at Bram's Incredible Highlights. You can check that out anywhere. No, it is at Warriors Huddle. Um, with that in mind, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, the whole nine yards, and hopefully we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.